I stand on the deck of my lonely ship, riding the wide open sea of the unknown. I take my chances. I tempt fate. I cannot tell you where one ends and the other begins. From here, after all, everything looks the same. What is meant to be? What is a choice? Why try to distinguish the two? I have more urgent matters to attend, like steering my way across life's churning ocean. We may never know whether our will is truly free, or if choice is an illusion. But deep in our guts, we know both, somehow, must be true. Too many fortunate and unfortunate coincidences populate our memories. And as we look at these fraught and uncanny occasions, I think we will discover that to find our way through the maelstrom, we must act as if all depends on us and trust that something more is at play. My name's Ransom, and you're listening to the ramblings of a revenant alien. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the RRA. Life is but a ramble, and we all ride a turbulent course through the rapids of the unknown. If this is your first time here in the show, glad you stopped by. I think it's going to be a good one. Relax, grab a mug or a glass of your favorite libation, and enjoy a few soliloquies interspersed with some sweet, savory blues. Let the world go away for a while. Hope you find some light to take with you on your journey. And if so, hold it high and pass it on. And with that, my friends, let us ramble. Today, I want to talk about chance and fate, choice and destiny. Is either one of them real? And does it actually matter in our day-to-day life? Our knee-jerk response certainly must be, yes, of course. If my choices don't make a difference, if I'm doomed to arrive at the same place regardless, I would like to know. I would like to know if I'm nothing more than a pawn in some sick cosmic game. But in saying this, we overstep. We assume that if there is some sort of guiding hand, that it is heartless and unmoved by our dilemmas and our sufferings. Could it be that, instead, if there is someone up there looking out for us, that any guidance or redirection is a vehicle for our good and the good of all? It's a real mind-bender. And furthermore, if somehow the ends are set or at least limited. What role does our will play? How much do our choices make changes, and how much does the writer of this story, shall we say, steer our course? I honestly don't know. And thus today, I will be at a high level of rambling, because these are questions that only God, if He exists, has any clue about. So as always, thanks for rambling along. 
Though we may take a circuitous path today, I think you'll find it a worthy walkabout. Come on, then. I have seven turns to take you through, and time's a-wasting. Nothing is written unless we write it. This may be one of the most famous lines from a famous film, Lawrence of Arabia, and we resonate with it. We like that feeling of having our destiny in our own hands. Well, sometimes anyway. The times we're riding high, we like to think it was our genius or our wisdom or our streak of luck that got us there. We are the architects of our own success. Other times, we're about 13 miles past the off-ramp, heading toward the end of the road and a brick wall, wondering why in the heck we've been ignoring all the warning signs. At points like that, I don't think we'd want to take credit, that is, blame, for our direction of travel. And it's then that, I think, most of us start looking around for something else to point to rather than our own choices. I don't know. Sometimes the line from decision to results is clear and bright. Sometimes choice and outcome seem utterly unrelated. Would the same things have happened if we made different turns? Is there such a thing as a self-fulfilling prophecy? Yes and no. The reason I waffle on this is that I'm surrounded by things that don't make sense to me. People suffering who didn't choose to. People with challenges they didn't invite. And I see myself, and where I am, and where I want to be, and I'm tempted to think that I'm powerless to connect the two. But ultimately, I think that's a lie. Whatever you sow, you reap, right? Trick is knowing what seeds you're planting and having clear-eyed expectations. Not easy. Anyway... I can't answer this question in any definitive way. I, like you, look into the dancing flames and wonder. But after I've done that, I go to bed, because if I don't get a good night's sleep, I'll be tired. And then I get up early the next day, because if I don't knock out priorities first thing, they won't happen. And I have such a certitude that by doing certain things, I will gain certain ends. But that is faith. That is not guaranteed. Unexpected tragedy lurks everywhere, as does unexpected joy. What a wild, tortuous life this is, full of beauty and sorrow. One day, I hope to know which times I steered the ship with my own hand, and which times a greater captain took the helm. For now, I got work to do, and that's that.
So, as you may know, I'm a writer. I use words to tell stories for a living. And let me tell you, sometimes it is unbearably difficult. Like trying to cut down an oak tree with a wet paper towel. Other times, though, it's pure, effortless joy. It's magic. Ideas and moments and twists come to you, seemingly out of nowhere, presenting themselves fully formed like Athena from the head of Zeus. Your own characters impossibly surprise you. Though in every conceivable sense, you, the writer, are crafting the narrative, there seems to be this unseen world all around you. The dimension of the muses whispering to you, dropping seeds that flower before your eyes and weave into the story perfectly, as if they were always meant to. Those are the moments we writers live for, the epiphanies that keep us at the keys, against all prudence and common sense. If you've ever tasted one of those moments, you know. They're inexplicable, otherworldly, transcendent. And when it comes to this quandary of how much of our lives is really in our control, I think these moments in writing give us a clue that maybe life is not a perfect clockwork machine nor a tale told by an idiot, signifying nothing. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's an incomprehensible dance between the will of the storyteller and the free choices of real, living characters. A divine dream, rich and varied and at times horrific, but ultimately sublime. Is it possible that existence is both written and free? That the truth lies in the heart of the contradiction, and that the contradiction is just a misconception wrapped up in our human limits? Time, space, finitude. I wonder, especially as a writer, do we ever surprise God? I kind of hope so, because when my characters surprise me, the joy I feel is intense, and it's wild to think that, now and again, we just might put a smile on the great storyteller's face. The other day, in between a couple of doctor's appointments down in Hollywood, I found myself sitting in a cafe inside the hospital where all three of my children were born. It was a strange moment, and not only because I was nearly the only person around not in scrubs. It was strange because of the heavy train of thought rolling through my mind, even as the bright sun shone in from outside. You see, about eight years ago, our youngest came into this life with a set of challenges that would bring most of us able-bodied grown-ups to our knees. And this little girl got him right out of the gate. She was ushered into a war without any choice, given hurdles to clear before she could walk, with more on the way. Many a time I'm overcome by that thought. Why do we get the cards we get? Why do some of us get aces? and some of us don't even get a full hand. I hear people say that certain circumstances are cruel, as if what happens were willed by something, or someone. Cruelty, after all, requires an actor with a cruel intention. 
I wonder if the people that use that language actually think that there's a sadistic force out there twisting the dials. Maybe they're just being poetic. I, on the other hand, actually do believe there's a sovereign hand at the till, which makes the seemingly arbitrary pain of my child so much harder to understand. Is there really a higher good here that's worth all this? I have to believe there is. But let me tell you, doing that is not easy. But it does give you the strength to do what you have to. After all, we all have to play the hand we're dealt, whether there's a point or not. Here we are. If we fold, it's over. We'll never know what could have been. You see, my little girl, who sees more than half a dozen doctors, takes two daily medicines, goes to bi-weekly infusion treatments given through a permanent port in her body, wears a constricting brace to help with her spine, does multiple therapies, all while just trying to live the life of a seven-and-a-half-year-old. This little girl still smiles and laughs and dances and sings. She has a giggle that'll make you believe in heaven. Would it be as beautiful if it were not flying in the face of all the reasons to weep? Could it be that that beauty is worth the pain? Though it is so difficult, I do see a bigger plan at play, even though I cannot understand it. What I can do is marvel at my daughter. God, she puts us all to shame. meaningless everything is meaningless what do people gain from all their toil under the sun generations come and generations go but the earth remains forever so begins one of the most stark works of religious literature ever composed if you've heard those words before but never checked out the source i encourage you after we're done here to head to the show notes and link to a short video that summarizes and contextualizes this sunny little piece of writing as you'll see if you watch, what the opening line above is really saying is, Smoke, smoke, everything is smoke. Vapor, transitory, here today, gone tomorrow. Another writer put it this way, What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. That writer was talking to people who had big plans and reminding them that the vicissitudes of this life can wreck anything. Happy, huh? But deep down, if we're thinking clear, we know it's true. You can't count on things remaining forever. Could be that thing you're building and betting your life on will get swept away by a twister. That nest egg might get stolen. Or you might croak out of nowhere. And then that seemingly random event will spin the entire enterprise in a new direction without your presence or control. So in the midst of this journey through chance and fate, I think it's wise to remember to have humility about our own initiative. Let's remember that we need courage to embrace the uncertainty of any new venture. 
chances are it'll be full of the wildly unexpected, both good and bad. And whether the guiding hand is actually holding the wheel or just building the road, we have no idea where it's all going. All we can do is follow the turns. So eyes up, people. There are storms ahead. And it's going to get dicey. stay too somber for too long, but discussing chance and fate can get pretty dark sometimes, especially when you consider all the evil in the world. How senseless it all seems. I'm not just talking about natural disasters. I mean active human agents who choose, cause, maintain, and promulgate pain and wickedness on the world, on themselves. Is that determined? God, I hope not. But the alternative isn't all that comforting. The idea that evil choices are inevitable and cannot be stopped. We love to imagine a world where there's a superhero swooping in at the last minute every time. We know it's fantasy, but we long for it. Why can't we save everyone? Why do some people die in horror? Why do the survivors give me no solace? And why do some people destroy their own lives and the lives of others without any reason? I have heard of such evil things done to innocent people that I cannot wrap my mind around it. That someone chose to engage in that and held to it through to the end, causing incomprehensible suffering to another. How in God's name is that possible? What good is choice if that's where it leads? It's sometimes easier to accept that there's a sadistic puppet master out there than to imagine that we all have the potential for creating beauty, and yet still, some turn it into hell. That's devastating. And it lives in the same world as compassion, kindness, love, and empathy. The most beautiful acts still exist, alongside the most vile. God, this place. I don't understand it. But you can only look over into the abyss for so long before you gotta turn back and look into the light. It's always there. You're always able to choose it. I mean, I think. If not, well, no point in fretting over things you can't change. But the things you can... Hmm. Okay, time to move on. Let me take you back toward the sunshine. promised. Time to lighten things up a bit. I got a fun nugget for you this week that uh, fits right into this discussion of free will versus fatalism. In November of 1990, a book called Jurassic Park 
by Michael Crichton, smashed into the world's consciousness. Within a few years, it spawned the highest-grossing movie in history up to that point. Now, throughout the novel, which is a brilliant meditation on the unforeseen consequences of man's hubris, one of the characters, a guy named Ian Malcolm, keeps talking about this idea called chaos theory. And there's a fabulous little scene in the movie where he lays it out. Enjoy the audio. I'll be right back. Uh, see, the Tyrannosaur uh, doesn't have any set patterns or, or, or park schedules. It's the essence uh, of chaos. Um, I'm still not clear on chaos. Oh, oh, it, 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 it uh, simply uh, deals with predictability and complex systems. The shorthand is the, the butterfly effect. A butterfly can flap its wings in Peking, and in Central Park you get rain instead of sunshine. Why? <laughs> <laughs> did I go too fast? I, I go too fast. I did a flyby. No, give me, give me that big glass of water. I'll show. We're going to conduct an experiment. It should be still. The car's bouncing up and down, but that's okay. It's just an example. Now, put your hand flat, like a hieroglyphic. Then, now, let's say a drop of water falls on your hand. Which way is the drop going to roll off? Of which finger, or over the thumb, or on the other side? Thumb. Let's see. Uh-huh. Okay. Right. Okay, now freeze your hand, freeze your hand. Don't move. I'm gonna do the same thing, start with the same same place again. Right. Which way is gonna roll off? Let's say back. Nope. Same way. Same way. Same way. Same way. <gasps> it changed. It changed. Why? Because tiny variations, uh, the, the orientation of the hairs on your hands. Hey Alan, look at this. Um, the amount of blood distending your vessels, imperfections in the skin. Imperfections in the skin? Microscopic, and never repeat and vastly affect the outcome. That's what? Unpredictability. All right. There. Look at this. See? See? I'm right again. Nobody could have predicted that Dr. Grant would suddenly, suddenly jump out of a moving vehicle. Alan! Alan! There's uh, another example. <laughs> See? Here I am now by myself uh, uh, talking to myself. That's, that's chaos theory. Good Lord. Jeff Goldblum is an international treasure, and you cannot convince me otherwise. But I digress. Did you catch all that? Isn't it fascinating to consider that there's a chain of connection that travels throughout the universe? Call it chaos theory, quantum entanglement, or just plain old coincidence. The possibility that one tiny action can create a ripple in reality that can become a tidal wave is so cool. And terrifying. Think about it. It can stress you out if you think that waiting one beat before heading into the crosswalk or wearing red instead of blue might make the difference in averting World War III. Our brains are not calibrated to handle that kind of complexity. We can only comprehend that it exists and realize that it is outside our control. We have no idea how all the choices we make will fall out, but there do seem to be a few minor truisms. Even in the scene, Malcolm ran the experiment on purpose. Dr. Ellie, the woman, participated. Their minds interacted. All of these were choices, right? Intentions, forces of intellect, physical movement. Those seem to be the levers we control. Our attention and action and reaction. And the world that results is the world we see. Huh. I'm not sure if that's good news or not. Though, the power of one action to send a wave of change throughout reality can be good news. One noble sacrifice, one good deed, one act of love. 
That could change everything. Couldn't it? So what do we do? What can we do? We've been rambling for a good long while now and we're no closer to a solid answer. Some have chosen a side, saying that we live in a mathematical, mechanistic, determined universe. Just one long web of dominoes. Some claim the opposite, that all is random and farcical and absurd and completely in our hands. Me? I don't know. I see evidence all around us and inside us that we can choose, and also that we are guided. I think maybe the tension of opposites and the seeming contradiction is where we need to live, to see the islands in the storm that show the way. We cannot know for certain whether we're free choosers or chess pieces or something in between, but chewing on the question is good for us. It keeps us humble. It keeps us searching. It keeps us sober and brings us joy, especially when we reach an inflection point and suddenly look back and see the beautiful chain of events that led us along. Life is a story told page by page, written line by line and moment by moment. And that is a gift, to not know the end, to have but one day in front of you, to take but one step at a time, we hold in our hands the immaculate responsibility of building our lives, of setting out into the great unknown and discovering things that only we can. We must take the helm, my friends. The great wide world lies in front of us. The adventure of the open sea, the thrill of the unexplored wilderness, the mystery of the impenetrable future. From where we're standing, it's on us. From the other side... I believe we have an ally who's out ahead and right beside us. So choose. Choose well. Choose life. Go forth and be free. And trust that help and wisdom will always be given to those who ask for it. The guide you need will show up just in time. That's all for now, my friends. Thanks for your company. If you enjoyed today's episode, would you do me a favor? Tap that subscribe button and leave a rating and review and send this episode to another soul who's on a search for enlightenment. Anchor and Spotify folks, you should see another Q&A waiting for you, so go ahead and leave an answer if you're in the mood. If you want to reach out to me, I'm on the Twitter at AREvenantAlien or drop me a line using revenantalien.com contact. And for those of you who'd like to support the show more directly, head on over to revenantalien.com support and follow the link to my anchor page. It's your ears that keep me motivated, my friends. So again, I thank you.
Don't be a stranger. Godspeed. And I'll see you out there.